Good morning. I'm Pastor Nancy, and it is a joy to be here with you on this 4th of July weekend. Some of you who know me know that I love this holiday because it's about family for me, gathering together with friends, with family. And speaking of families, we've had a lot of celebrations this spring in our family. It feels like we're just moving on up, kids graduating college, kids graduating high school. And when some of our kids aren't at home, we feel the difference. I love setting the table for everybody to be there, cooking a big meal for everybody. And then as they one by one went off to college, sometimes it's like, oh, there's a space. Sometimes we still set the table for eight people around and then we're like, oh, somebody isn't here. And as my kids are growing, two of them now live in different cities, not just in different cities, in different states. They are like gone, launched, and sometimes I just really, really miss them, and it's hard to be across the distance from them. But in that, there's a joy too, right? As our kids are growing and flourishing and finding out who God has called them to be, they move into that next level of of who God has created them to be. And as such... My husband and I were already starting to consider what is our family going to look like in five years, in 10 years, grandkids, not yet, ladies, not yet. But as we grow, our family's going to grow and we're excited for that and anticipate that. And even as our kids are off in different ways and in college and living elsewhere, we've been able to use FaceTime and Zoom, right? We've all got familiar with those. Even last Christmas, one of our family celebrations, we had Zoom up with our girls in Arizona and us here in our living room. And it was fun to be back and forth. Have any of you guys done that? Connected with out-of-state family? Yeah, it's a great tool and resource that we have. And As I'm describing my family, I bet some of you are identifying with this. Grandparents, maybe as your your kids are having kids and grandkids and and growing family. Maybe some of you as empty nesters. um, Did it take a while to stop cooking food for like six or eight people and instead just make a meal for two? Sometimes my husband and I sit at the table and it's just two place settings and it's like, oh, I made food for eight. I guess we're having leftovers, right? (laughs) And parents of younger kids... I know that day seems so far off when your kids are being launched, but you get a little bit of a break every once in a while. Maybe the kids stay the night with a friend or with grandparents, and it's a little bit nice, but then you start to miss them, right? It's nice to have a break, but then you're like, oh, where are they? Come home. And older teens, parents of older teens, I love you. God bless you. Those kids, they need some work done on that frontal development of their brain, so we need to launch them out for a bit, right? Kick them out of the nest. I love you. I'm going to hold space for you when your brain's more developed and you want to come back, all right? I get that, families. I get that. But there's this connection with us, right, in our families, this bond that we have together because we have this common unity, not uniformity, Because we don't want to raise just little minions that just do what we say. We want people to grow into who God has called them to be. And that is part of what we've been talking about in the series of This Is Us. This is us. This is who we are as a family of believers, as a church family. And the covenant distinctives that help us identify who we are in the covenant denomination, but who we are as a family of people 
I like to say a family of families as we're all gathered here. So today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 30. So if you have your Bible or device, I invite you to open that up so you can follow along with us. And we're going to look at this passage through the lens of a fellowship of believers. This is one of the covenant affirmations that we are a fellowship of believers. So kids, kids, I really need you to listen up during this part too, because I love this passage. Have you ever played uh, that game, that song, Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes? Yes. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. So as I say different body parts, touch those body parts. Okay. So you need to really listen. And then I'm going to need your help in just a little bit after that. Okay. I'm going to take a sip of my water too. Okay. Ready. Verse 12. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves are free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. And if the ear, ear, should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed each of the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one. There's another number for you, one body. The eye, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special attention, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division, no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, and these gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Oh my goodness. That is a lot. And God is at work in all of it. And he invites us to be part of his body. All right, kids, we're going to do some imagining and I need you to come up here with me. Come up this way right here to the the front. I need you guys to come up here and help me out with some things because as I was trying to think about this, I wanted you guys to understand this especially. And I love this first service of the month that you guys get to stay in here with us. So let's come look and see what I have underneath over here. If you were, say, a really, really, really big eyeball, oh my goodness, what if that was your head? 
whoa, it scared her so much. I think it might scare any of us if you were just a really big eyeball, don't you think? Yeah. Do you want to hold that for us? Oh, my goodness. Now, I have a few other things here. What if your hand was that big? Can you put that on your hand? Turn and show everybody. What if your hand was that big? You only had one hand that big. And what if you only had one tiny little hand like that? What if it was just tiny? I know. Now, if I had rocks here and I said, pick this up with your big giant hand that's stuck together like that, it, whoa, it's kind of hard. And with your tiny little fingers, oh, can you pick that up? And if you had a head that was just this giant, giant eyeball, how would you hear? Oh my goodness, I don't even know. How would you smell? I don't even know if we were just one giant eyeball. I know. What does an eyeball smell like? That's a very good question. I don't know what we would do because God designed our bodies perfectly. Thank you. You guys can have a seat and I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have this for after church. We can play with that some more. Okay. Get ready for sports camp with those foam fingers. Oh, and if imagine kids, even if we had four legs instead of two hands and arms, how would you even walk? You'd have to be down probably because you had all four legs. But in fact, here's what it said in our verse. In fact, God has placed all the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He didn't give us like a really big eyeball. If there were all one part, where would the body be? As it is written, there are many parts, one body. This shows us that we need all of our body parts. God designed us perfectly. And it was a little harder to try to pick things up if we had like a really tiny hand or maybe we didn't have a hand at all. Or if we had a really, really giant hand, we might not be able to pick up fine little things like a penny or a dime. Uh, God made us perfect. It says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We need them. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. We take care of that part of the body. All right, time out, friends. We're going to do a time out here in the sermon. Time out. If part of your body doesn't work or you lose a limb, doesn't work anymore, what do we call that? Disabled? Disabled, right? All right, remember that piece. We're going to come back to that. All right, time back in. We're back in. Okay, but God put the body together perfectly. God, who is perfect, put us together perfectly, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body. But if the parts that should have equal concern for each other, if one part suffers, if one part is ill, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, everyone rejoices with it. Kids, here's the really sneaky part. So as Paul was writing this, he's talking about the body. And we can start to understand it, how we need all of our body parts. And if we're missing a body part, then we're disabled. But Paul wasn't just talking about our physical bodies. He wasn't just talking about that. He says, you are now the body of Christ. And each one of you, each one of you here, kids, you too, you are part of the body of Christ. Friends, this is us. This is us, the body of Christ right here in Sammamish, Washington. 
The church is not just a building. The church is not a static human institution. We are a growing, alive group of people that are part of the body of Christ. And the ideal church, again, not a building, an ideal church is a gathering of people who confess faith in Jesus, who commit themselves to each other and submit to no authority other than Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of the church, who is the head of the body. This is who we are as the body. This is a space where we all have unique contributions. Each one of you has a unique contribution, not to the building, but to the body of Christ here together. We all have different gifts. We all get to know Jesus and live out lives that honor him as part of the body because God works through each one of you to grow you in who he has uniquely created you to be so that you may flourish, so that you may continue to build up this body. There is space at the table for everyone. Friends, we don't get to the table for a family meal and hold out space. We scooch in. We make more space. We add another plate and another and another. And if we need more room, we'll add another table in. There is space for everybody because we are all part of the body. And we were created for community. We were created for relationship. And as we do this, as we live into relationship and into community, we're not individual people having individual experiences because that puts us at the center of our world. Friends, we are not the center. Jesus is the center. Christ is the center. And that marks us differently as a community, as people who build relationship with Christ at the center, that marks us differently. We don't flourish and become our best selves who God has created us to be in isolation or with us at the center. It takes each other to work out our trials, our struggles, our joys, our happiness. It takes one another to be in community. And Jesus made known to us his redemptive love. We see it in the Gospels. We see he made himself known and his redemptive love as he was with people, as he was in relationship, as he was in community going to people who felt they were not part of the community and inviting them in, making more room at the table. Because the kingdom of God comes as an expression in the local church. The kingdom comes here too in a local body of believers. One theologian put it this way, that each church, each body of believers is an outpost of the kingdom of heaven, a colony of the kingdom of heaven. And if we are on the margins reaching those people who don't yet know Jesus, we are inviting them in, making more room at the table that they would be part of our body and part of the kingdom of heaven. That is part of our goal. Because believers, a believer's church is a community filled with the spirit And we seek to be responsive to Jesus, to know his kingdom and be an expression of the kingdom here now on this earth 
in our days, to our world around us, right in our own neighborhoods. The church is a gathered community, believers with Jesus at the center. And together we get to join in God's mission in his world. That is part of what we get to do as a body of believers. Now, as we talk about this affirmation, fellowship of believers, are you starting to see some overlap in some of the other affirmations that we've talked about? I love how these all fit together. They stand alone and together. Because as we live life together, as this local expression, we don't seek to divide right from wrong, right? We don't seek to push other people away because we're not an institution. And we're not gathered around formalized creeds as some other faiths do, uh, which sometimes can be used to divide right from wrong. I'm right, you're wrong, go over there. No, as a covenant people, as mission friends who want to come together and believe in this fellowship of believers, we come seeking the word of God, seeking Christ at the center. We don't live just in theory or just in practice, but we live at that intersection of developing disciples who seek God, who seek our neighbor to make them known to Jesus as well. And we put Jesus at the center, the centrality of the word, as an affirmation that we talk about, the centrality of the word, the word, the living Christ is at the center. And as community, we have that as our center. With a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit, we affirm the commitment to the mission of the whole church, and we become more and more a fellowship of believers as we live into this. This means... For us as a church, as a denomination, that we seek to be multi-ethnic because that was God's intention from the beginning. As an outpost of his, as a marker of him with him at the center, we want to be representative of those he has placed around us. Friends, we're not the center, so when we seek to help people know Jesus, we're not seeking uniformity where we all look the same. We're seeking unity in Christ with Christ at the center which means we lift up voices at the margin who don't have voice. We seek to be intergenerational, that every age has value in the body. Every age. We want to believe in this, or we we want to be intergenerational so that we lift up this value of what it means to be a community of believers. And it also means that we are missional. That we go to those who aren't yet at the table. That we go to those who aren't part of the kingdom yet. We make Jesus known by how we live. How we love. How we care for those around us. How we extend God's love and compassion to the world around us. And sometimes right even to our own neighbor. And this is part of the history and heritage of the Evangelical Covenant Church as well. Many of you may know that this denomination originated in Sweden as people were moving out of Germany, the Moravians, and they were trying to um, find their own faith again. Rather than the state church of Sweden, they wanted to find their own faith. They wanted to recover the word. They wanted to recover not just this word, but the living word. And so they would gather in these conventicles. They would gather around the word and study and understand. And they had itinerant preachers that would go around to help people understand the word. And as they were in community discerning the word, they would ask these questions. How goes your walk? How are you walking with Jesus? With Jesus at the center? 
How goes your walk? And when there were discussions or disagreements or misunderstandings, they didn't take that right versus wrong approach, holding something over and against another person, but they said, where is it written? If Jesus is the center, let's go back to his word, the word. Let's read his word. Let's discern that together. Where is it written? And let's understand that. And this idea of unity over uniformity. We come together with the centrality of the word of God as a fellowship of believers, not to be shiny, happy Christian people. Do you remember that song that had a line in there? Shiny, happy Christian people. We don't want to be that. We want to be a people who value relationship, who share life with one another. We seek Christ. We're meant to be different as parts of the body. We flourish when we all come together as he has created us to be a body together. Not seeking to divide right from wrong, but to seek Christ. To seek who it is he wants us to be in this world. And remember when I talked about disabled, when I held that piece and we said, uh, if part of your body isn't working, we call that disabled. Friends, if some of you aren't here in this local body, we could call us a disabled church. We need everybody of every ability, of every age. And we need to look around at our community and say, who isn't here? Who doesn't yet know the love of Christ? Who is invited to the table? Who do we need to invite to the table? Because we are all part of the fellowship of believers here at Pine Lake Covenant Church for this time, in this season, in this city, in Sammamish. Friends, you can see this reflected in so many ways here at Pine Lake Covenant Church. This first of the month service is a great example of it because we pause our children's classes to have kids with us because I think it's important for them to hear the word of God preached. We still do that downstairs in different ways and age-appropriate ways, but this is the body. We don't dismiss them. You might not notice that, but that language that we use when we invite kids to go to Kairos Kids, we invite them. We don't dismiss them which says they aren't needed in this part of the body, that this doesn't have meaning or application for them. This is why we have a family area up front, because we value family. We value these ages, and they are part of our body. This is why we need everyone's voice. This is why we take seriously our vows of when we dedicate a child or baptize a child, we say as we pledge as a community that we are going to raise these kids up to know the love of Jesus. And we step into that role and that calling because they are part of our body. We are all part of this. We see this in our leadership team. Our leadership team is comprised of different individuals to represent different parts of the body because we need different voices. We need all the ages represented. We see this in our congregational care team. This is what we do. We care for the body. We take meals when someone is sick. We lift them up in prayer. We go help at their homes when something needs to be repaired. We love and care for the body. We see this in the different ministries of the church, different ministries to lift up different parts of the body. And as a staff, we work really hard not to have isolated, siloed ministry, but to say we are all the body. We all belong. So how do we care for all of the body? And in just a moment, we're going to get to come together as the body. 
as we join in communion. This is one of the sacraments that Jesus has given us, that we are part of his body. We get to join together as a community of believers to come around his table of communion to share in life together. And we are a church of disciples who create a place for everyone to belong. The table is big enough, friends. The table is big enough. There's enough room for everyone. There's space to keep adding to the table. And as we come together in fellowship, in friendship, in unity, we are opened. Friends, we are opened up to the healing, convicting, life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. And in this, we become a fellowship of believers. Friends, will you pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful for the ways that you, even in relationship with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, out of that love, out of that community, you created us. And you created us not to be individuals having different individual experiences, but to come together as your body of believers to seek you, to know you, to love you, to go to our neighbors, to love them, care for them, and to develop disciples. Lord, at that intersection, as a body of believers, help us lean into you. Help us know what it is you want us to do together as a body of believers. Lord, lead us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. And as we come together today in communion, Lord, we pray that we set aside our individual tendencies. We set aside even joy of Fourth of July and nationalism. And God, we don't place that higher than we place you, Jesus. Jesus, may you be the center. May we gather around you. May we love you. And may we know that you are good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.